This Week in the 90s Podcast. Hey, all right. What's up, everybody? 12! 12. 12. I'm always so excited. Because, uh, <laughs> it looked like 21 to me, the way you did oh, it. 12. It's like you're an, when you're an NBA referee, you have to do it backwards. Like, mm-hmm. foul on 34. You're like, nope, that's not right. That's 43. 34. Oh, you have to do it backwards. Yeah. Did you do that? Were you uh, like a basketball ref? I did uh, basketball refereeing in college, intramurals. In college? Yeah, I was an intramural ref. We like ran the intramurals the whole, for the whole time. And now that you play adult male rec league basketball, yep. What do you think about those? Rec- oh, like they're they're terrible no- too. Yeah, they're terrible too. <laughs> and were you terrible when you were a ref? No, I was amazing. <laughs> when I first moved to Los Angeles, uh, one of the things I thought about doing for extra money was basket was being a high school official, and so I looked it up. And there was like all this stuff. You They're had like, to you're go hanging do. out at high schools anyway. You <laughs> might as well do something. Not funny. Uh-huh. Um, so I sent an email to one of the places like, hey, I'm interested in taking all the classes and becoming certified and doing high school games. Never heard back. I knew you wanted to look at being an umpire. But I yeah, there realize. was a brief period of time uh, back when this might have been 2000 summer 03 when like striking out left and right job search i had just finished i had just finished <laughs> so the year uh i had just finished the year working in my high school and like doing all the coaching and stuff and that was super fun but i was like you know i want to do my what i want to do i want to work in sports i want to write or whatever so i was applying for jobs everywhere the tv stuff wasn't working out i started applying like every newspaper i could find i started applying at colleges who had like sports information directors mm-hmm. or, or assistant sid openings i was applying everywhere nothing and i was like oh what about umpire school for major league baseball like they had schools in florida and arizona that you could apply to it was like five thousand dollars or something and it was like guaranteed placement like you finish the school you graduate with a good enough score like you could start umpiring, you know, like high school, summer ball, a ball, minor leagues, and just work your way up. I'm like, I'd be in the major leagues by now, probably. Yeah, that was you'd probably be best buds with Angel ago. Hernandez. Yeah, I would just be like, <laughs> I would be Enrique Palazzo in the back, like dancing uh-huh. before, but yeah, for naked gun. Yeah, yeah. I thought like again, I, that was a fleeting thought, and then um, so you were striking out with jobs striking out with the ladies and then you're like i might as well call balls and strikes because yeah. all i'm getting is strikes in life might as well just who and so i was like working on like my strike calls and everything like how do you work on that well you just got to decide if you're going to be a um if you're going to be a punch out guy or a pull the string guy okay you know what i mean so if you watch if you watch umpires do their third strike calls yeah you either you either punch it out or you Pull the string for strike three. Yeah. You know how guys are like, strike three. This is, that's pull the string. Yeah. I saw a lot of the pull the string <laughs> during the Braves game. Yeah. Seven. Or yeah. punch out. So it's yeah. one, of, one or the other. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, didn't work out. I'm glad. And here I am. <laughs> still striking out. Still just. still striking out just at home now. Just at home. Uh, n- so sad. I don't know. Today you hit a home run with those flowers. Oh, fr- 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 <laughs> You got me flowers for my first day at my yeah, new job. Yeah, you start a new job. Congratulations. Yeah. Are we allowed to talk about it yet? Not yet. All right. Well, uh, eventually. But, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's a very cool job. And those flowers are 
I way cooler than the I job. I don't like all the Lakers colors in there, but it's a fall. It's <laughs> I a, didn't pick them it's out. A, well, it's a, yeah, I just went by the picture. It's a fall bouquet, which it's is nice. It's beautiful. Thank you very much. You're welcome. For doing that. But let's talk about Yeah, the okay. 90s. So, week in the 90s. Welcome, everybody. Week in the 90s pod. Yes. It's episode 12. Yes. Hope you're enjoying everything so far. We're having fun doing it. Uh, I think we're finding a groove. I think so. Yeah, we're I definitely having fun. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for your comments and uh, ratings on iTunes and everything. You guys are super nice. Yeah. And so uh, what do we got? So this is October 18th through 24th. Okay. 1997. No, wait, I did 1997 I last week. So we're just going back to back weeks. Okay, must have been. I know what you did last summer in 1997. I know. That was pretty yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. So I. Um, Ultimately, I didn't even write about that, but but I had it on my list in case yeah. um, in case I didn't in hit case on it. enough other stuff didn't happen. Yeah, but we've been really struggling in October. October is um, it's been kind of tough. No wonder it's sober October. There really is nothing <laughs> to do. Uh, a lot of not Man, a lot of news. We in have October. not been doing sober October. No, we've definitely not. But also, like, I don't know. Like, it's just been really hard. You're like. I'm not going to talk about Kuwait not giving oil yeah, to Iraq. Been, yeah, like, it's super no hard thanks. newsy. So, it's not really fun to talk about. Um, but it's made me a better in- investigator of news stories. Okay. And so um, in 1997, Wayne Gretzky, what, do you know him? Uh, wait, who is he again? <laughs> Does he have a uh, daughter? The greatest, <laughs> yes. He has a few daughters. Um. But he was uh, playing for the Ra- Rangers at okay. the time. Uh, so on October 27th, 1997, he's playing for the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Yep. He entered the game on the verge of history because he was one assist away from tying the all-time record, uh, which Gordy Howe For held. assists or points? For assists. Uh, at the time, he was the points leader with 2,714. Right. And Howe was second. So if he got two assists in this game, he would now be the all-time point leader and the all-time assist leader yep. in the NHL. So uh, he came into the game uh, to do that. And then in the third period, oh. his wife, Janet, Janet, gets knocked unconscious by the plexiglass. What in Madison Square Garden? So does it fall off? They they two of the players. There was um, like a hit or something. Okay, it's one nothing. Okay, uh, and the Blackhawks are winning, so there's no assists yet. Okay, because they haven't scored. They haven't scored. Uh, so then, uh, Olf Su- Samuelson. Olf Samuelson. Yep. Checks Chicago's Sergei Chris Kriskasov into the boards opposite the benches in the neutral zone, sending a heavy pane of plexiglass into the stands. Okay. Uh, Glass surrounding the hockey rink usually shatters into harmless pieces, but for this time, for some reason... It didn't. It completely dislodged and falls directly onto Janet and her friend. (laughs) And... It's not funny, but it's like... It's not funny. It's like so funny. So it's Gretzky's wife of nine years, and the pane hit her head and it completely knocks her cold like she's out like the cameras even catch it like she's just like out cold like for a long time uh so (laughs) it was like four or five minutes until first aid was able to get there and then they took her to the hospital she's still unconscious oh my gosh (laughs) there's blood coming from her mouth 
but that's the only real injury. Okay. Uh, he was Gretzky was not on the ice, so he like goes over to see, and he hops. You know, um, yeah. He goes over there to see if she's okay, and then after receiving word from the Rangers trainer Jim Ramsey that Jones was receiving proper care, he returned to his teammates and kept playing the game. And I was like, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. That's why you're the great one. <laughs> um, okay, so... What is he going to do? Go with her to the hospital? To do what? Watch her be unconscious? Christopher. She's not... Listen, hold on. <laughs> Not this like is exactly why I brought this up because I was like, "There's no way you're taking Janet's side." Well, definitely not. Not life-threatening injuries. How do you know? What do you mean? She, she hasn't gotten a cat scan. Just, like, you don't know got, her brain swelling. She got hit in the head and got knocked out. Happens all the time on NFL Sundays. These hockey players are tough. She's a hockey player wife. She knows how tough uh, hockey players are. So at this point, it's been seven minutes and she's still not awake. Okay. And you're like. Eh, I'm sure she'll wake up again. Like, you haven't seen her awake yet. But, I mean, Wayne's got an important record that he's, like, about to tie. You know what I mean? Are you just going to hold on to this argument, or is this what you really believe? Are you purposely <laughs> being the heel for the podcast? I think this is not a big deal. Wait, continue with your story, and then I'll, maybe I'll change my mind. No. I want to know right now. I'm knowing, I'm knowing like at this moment, as you're telling the story, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, she's in the hands of medical professionals. I'm not a medical professional. What am I going to do? We got a big game. I'm on the verge of history here. I mean, I can like compartmentalize <laughs> and kind of get my job done. And then when the game's over, I'll go down. I mean, the, the hospitals in New York are everywhere. It's probably right down the street from Madison Square Garden. Okay. What do we think? Um, <laughs> I I disagree with okay. you because if I woke up and found out that you were not there, um, you best hope you stayed at Madison Square Garden <laughs> and you best hope you broke that record because you will not be the great one in our divorce papers, I'll tell what? you that. Really? What are you talking about? I mean, it's not like every day somebody gets knocked unconscious. If I got knocked unconscious, okay, so and you're we were at a comedy show, and the mic stand fell and hit you in the head, and you got knocked out. No, no, no. This but has like, to be during I, something you find important. So, oh, okay. So, if it's during um, the Patriots Super Bowl, okay, and, or yes, it's during the Patriots Super all right, Bowl with during, Cam Newton this year. Okay, this year Patriots Super Bowl. It's like, what, fourth quarter, and we're like down six or something? Yeah, but you have the ball and you're driving. Okay. With like, what, how many, like three minutes to go? No, I think you still have a whole quarter to go. So it's early fourth quarter. Uh-huh. We're down a touchdown. And then what happens? Like a like a plate of nachos, like slips and falls and hits you in the face and knocks you out? Like, what do you mean? Like, what would be, what would happen? No. Something in the stadium, like a sign in the stadium. Uh, a falls. sign in yes, the stadium? It's a pane of glass. Well, hold on. It's you know not, how thick those are? Those not, are this is not a, a, a single pane of glass. But it's not These real are, glass. It's plexiglass. Okay. Super heavy. If it's not heavy, when it hits you in the head, it doesn't knock you unconscious. Okay. Yes, I understand. This is like... This is basically like a like a bulletproof window hitting you in the head. Okay. It okay. just kind of falls and knocks you out. 
But what, so it ha- what's the equivalent of So then this I'm knocked happening? unconscious. You're knocked unconscious. And they take Medical him. staff comes and gets you. So the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year, and then they go and, and they, they take go, you. You can meet Tom Brady after the game, or, or you can go to the hospital. Yeah, well, you can meet you can meet Cam, and like he has a special outfit in your size, and you guys can take like matching photos, or meet go to the hospital and miss the end of the game, and possibly like meeting Cam and everything. I'm assuming that Tom will be in Tampa too, but go ahead, yes. Oh, so it's so it's Pat's Bucks. Sure. Oh, my goodness. So, man, I don't know if I can miss the end of this game. <laughs> but you can be okay with me being in the hospital alone. Well, you know, you're not alone. You're in the you're in the care of medical professionals. I'm literally about <laughs> to cry right now. Like, you're serious. I'm not serious. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just said I'm not serious. <laughs> you're serious. I'm not serious. I'm not playing in the game. If I was the quarterback, if I was Cam Newton, mm-hmm. well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, you putting football before family is what you're saying. You would put football before family. If I was Cam Newton? Mm-hmm. Well, how would I know? <laughs> how do you not know? The, 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 it's like, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen at the hospital. That's the problem. Like, you don't know if she's going to be okay or not okay. Okay, well, spoiler alert, she's okay. Yes, she's okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting really mad at me? I'm now? upset. Why? No, I'm not upset. Yeah, Because right. I know you're playing it up. Yeah, this right. is what you do on your show. Yeah, but right. But I want you to apologize <laughs> and sleep on the couch. <laughs> I'm not apologizing. Okay, so what happens? <laughs> well, you are sleeping on the couch. Um, couch so the couch is comfortable. <laughs> So we're all just joking, by the way. <laughs> I know that he's being a heel and being obnoxious. That's why um, I tried to make him feel extra bad by saying I was going to cry. Because. Um, I mean, it almost worked. I know. It usually works. Okay. So all joking aside. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't leave you in the middle of the Super Bowl unless I was somehow playing, which would be a miracle because mm-hmm. I'm not good. I'm at, you know, I wouldn't be on an NFL team right now. Although but the, if you were playing, I wouldn't. Although the Jets be could there. probably <laughs> use me. You would have uh, gotten rid of me if you started playing in the NFL. <laughs> you would have dropped me long before you got to the Super Bowl. And like Tom Brady, like you're my Bridget Moynihan. Yes. I would just drop you yeah, for yeah, Giselle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's probably. I don't want to answer. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's okay. You're. To- I would totally wait, forgive so, you. Wait. So okay. So she got hit in the face. And she's knocked out. In the head. And now knocked she's in the hospital. And, and the mouth. Okay. Yeah. So what happened to her? Because you said Wayne stayed and played okay. the game. So there was six minutes and 18 seconds left in the game. Oh, so you didn't mention that before. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of changes everything. This isn't like the beginning of the game. No, if it was the beginning of the game, yeah, I would totally What does leave. it matter? It's not the last game of the season. That's true. So it's not like he can't get this record, you know, oh, yeah, later on, like later on. Was it the last game of like a homestand? 
I mean, make breaking records at home is a little more important. Yeah, it might have been um, the last game at home. Like, not the last game. I mean, this was October, so. Yeah, but I mean, like, were they about to go on, like, an eight-game road trip? And, like, you know. I mean, NHL start does not end in October. When no, it begins stand- in October. It begins, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, I don't know. Anyway. I'm trying to I'm trying to defend Wayne here. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, okay, so six minutes, 18 seconds left. Uh, he played the rest of the game and then joined her at the hospital later. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> that's so nice. That's what you're supposed to do. It's not well, nice. I don't know what their arrangement is. <laughs> <laughs> he stayed with her until 3 a.m. Oh. And then uh, he went home to be with his kids. Uh, they got her out of the hospital the next morning, and she had a concussion and stitches in her lip. Ugh, that is insane. Yes. And uh, so she stood by her husband's decision, saying she trusted his judgment and that he is a good husband and father. And Gretzky broke all the all-time assist records two games later against Anaheim. So he didn't even do it that day. He just, like, stayed. No, they didn't even score a point that day. So they lost one nothing. Yeah, they lost one nothing. I mean, okay, in hindsight, maybe not the best move by the great one. Yeah, I don't know if you're considered the great one if you if you do stuff like that. Well, here's the thing. He got the nickname the great one a long, long time ago, right when he was like a kid. So basically, you just have to trust that every decision he makes is going to be great and the right one because his nickname is the great one. I mean, I don't know what their relationship is. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, they're like super weird. I think. And then also, like, I know, like, I love football just as much as you do. So, like, if you were playing in the Super Bowl, I'd be like, why did you leave the fucking game? Like, (laughs) they probably lost because of you. Right? You would be super. I'd make you feel bad about it forever. That's true. You probably would. Not only did you not, I got knocked out, and you lost the game, loser. Right. Right. Or the yeah, yeah. Or if they win without you. Yeah, that's even worse. You should probably quit. Yeah. So yeah. No. Here's the other thing. They're still married, obviously, but there have been some weird, weird stuff. Like she got, uh, she got busted in this like illegal Super Bowl game. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm getting there. Oh okay. 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 Uh, So yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, They're still married. They have five children. Yeah, tons of kids. Uh, But Paulina, Paulina is their kid, which is the most important thing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She wasn't even supposed to be near the ice. So, you know, normally the players' wives do not sit next to the No, uh, they're not ice. they're not on the glass no. banging like no. freaking wild. No, I mean we've gotten plenty of tickets from like people who play the game and like they're always like a section behind the yeah. lower section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're kinda like close but like off to the side. Yeah, there's like a family section yeah. and it's usually about thirty rows back, let's right, say. Right. They're not and the so they're not the most expensive best seats in the house. They had a friend there and they gave her uh, tickets which were down on the ice like uh, they had a friend in town visiting or whatever oh, so, and so they hooked her up she with went to go seats. visit her friend during this game oh so she walked down she walked down oh left her seat and just happened to at the wrong be at the wrong time at the you know wow. so when that pain breaks he's not even thinking oh she's sitting there you know right because why would why she would be she sitting be down there? there right She's never down there. And uh, until somebody is like, hey, dude, it's Janet, you know. And then so he like skates over like an old man and goes and like looks looks over and 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So have, I'm, and that it is made insane. me think, like, have you ever left your seat and something bad happened? Because something like that happened to me. Bad happened in the or seat good. that you went to or in the seat that you left? Either. Have you ever changed seats and huh. been like, and then oh my something God, happened? I shouldn't have left my seat. Yeah. So actually, um, well, this was, so my senior year at Syracuse, Sorry, my freshman year at Syracuse it would have been Donna McNabb's senior year, the last home game. Mm-hmm. Uh, crazy game, threw a game-winning touchdown pass uh, to Stephen Brominski, and all the fans stormed the field. Uh-huh. Now, normally, I would have been sitting in the student section with all of my guys from my floor, okay. and I would have been one of the guys that stormed the field. So what's funny is I tell the story now that I stormed the field, I was one, but I did not storm the field. I was actually sitting in a buddy of mine's seats on the 50-yard line on the next level up. <gasps> and so I saw the whole play happen as it was happening because you have the, you have the, it's, we're literally in the best seat in the house right. at the Carrier Dome. And so I saw it happening, and then all of a sudden, boom, everyone storms the field, and we're up top like, oh, my God, everyone's storming the field, and, we can't, and we're not down there to storm the field. And by the time we would have tried to – Rush Go down and get to the yeah. lower level. Like the moment was gone. It wouldn't have been as cool. But uh, yeah, so that happened. But I always tell people that I stormed the field wow. during that moment. That's <laughs> incredible. Kind of outing myself. But yeah. But I was a part of a couple. Uh, we did storm the basketball court one year. I think it was the next year, my sophomore year. We beat Connecticut um, when they were ranked number three or number two Uh or something and uh we all rushed the court for basketball and i remember that because then after that they kind of like put the kibosh on storming the courts uh at syracuse because like wow yeah Mm because like when the game was closed it was obvious we're gonna win it wasn't like a buzzer beat or anything it was obvious we were gonna win and so all of a sudden they brought like tons of security in front of the student section for basketball games and whenever that happened (laughs) later on just so the, the students wouldn't storm the field. But yeah, uh, yeah, so bad moment. I would have stormed the field for the football game had I been sitting in my student ticket seats, but I was not. I was watching the game with my buddy in his good seats, in his family's like super premium seats, and so I did not storm the court. Whoa. I did not storm the field for that game, but I always tell people that I did. Yikes. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Yeah, and what the funny... You're like the Steve Renazizi of of (laughs) Syracuse storming the... And the funny thing is, uh, everyone will say that the first person to to jump the fence, because it was like kind of high, like it was a good like eight foot jump down to the field from the the student seats, uh, if you're sitting on the rail, and uh, everyone always says the first person to jump was our buddy Scott, who lived on our floor, super religious, like... Hardcore, you know, goody two shoes to put it, to put it, so to speak. And, uh, but he like had that like mean streak when it came to sports. And so everyone says he was the first person to jump. So it's always like, it wasn't like the super drunk dudes or the blacked out frat guys who like, oh man, we're storming the court, Donovan McNabb, baby. Like, it wasn't those guys. It was our friend who lived, who lived in our floor and was later our roommate for a semester, a senior year. It was him. He was the first person to jump and just go. And then everyone followed. And like everyone was like, you know, patting everyone on the shoulders and hugging everybody. Yeah. But uh, wasn't me. I wasn't there. You weren't there. So this that so this also happened 
like something bad like that happened to me. So I was in San Francisco at a Giants game. Okay. In April of 2004. Okay. And wow. we're sitting in the outfield because we just like got tickets. We were up there to DJ a wedding or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a bunch of my DJ friends that I had been DJing all these different things with or whatever. I think we were doing a wedding in Napa or something. So we stopped uh, and we got like Giants tickets or whatever. And so is this at Pac Bell? But this is at Pac. At the time, I think it was called SBC. Okay. So, but it is that park. I mean, you it's know. not Pac Bell now. Not Pac Bell. Used to be Pac Bell, yeah. but yeah. Um. And so, uh, so anyway, we're sitting in the outfield because Barry Bonds is like going oh, for yeah, all yeah, these yeah, yeah. records or whatever. Sure. And then randomly, my friend uh, James, who I used to work with at the Braves Stadium, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, is like, oh my God, I'm at this game too. And he was sitting over on the third base side. Okay. So I'm like, oh, I'll come and say hi, you know? So I go over there and we're just talking, hanging out. Like I haven't seen him in years. And uh, Barry Bonds comes up to bat. Okay. And he's like, oh, let's watch Barry Bonds hit. And I was like, if he hits a home run to my seat, I'm never going to forgive you. <laughs> no way. He hit a home run, which tied... Willie Mays record number six sixty. So he hit six 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 sixty. Went to where you were sitting. They stood on my seat to catch the ball. No because way. Because it was empty. Nuh-uh. Yes. Yes. Whoa! <laughs> I know. I've never heard this story. Yeah. They stood okay. on my seat. So they were like, you... "Where were?" I come back and they're like, "Where were you?" Six six. You came right in. So who got it? Well, did one of your friends us. get it? No, no, no. Not none of my friends oh. ended up getting it. Did you look up how much that ball went for at auction? Um, I don't know how much it went for now. Um, I mean, it, probably at least a half a million dollars. Back then, people were paying crazy prices for these record see. baseballs. And that was number 660 to 60. Ty Mays. That was third all time. Oh, my yeah, gosh. So let's see. Oh, it went for 752000 <laughs> No, no, no. That's seven fifty six. Sorry, never oh, no, 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 no. Well, what did six sixty go for? Six sixty. Um, that is so bananas. <sighs> and it, and everyone was standing on your seat because you left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they stood on my seat to catch. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be kidding me. I don't me. know. Let's see. Uh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm no, no, look it's this fine. Right it's now, fine. But it's like you could just type in bonds number six sixty auction price. Is that what you typed in? Yeah, I typed in. That is so crazy. Yeah, because I mean the, the Mark McGuire like seventieth home run ball I think got over two million dollars. People were paying crazy prices for these balls back then. Like all these big time collectors. You know, sports oh, memorabilia collectors. Also signed it apparently. Well, so they both no, signed the wait, ball. No. No. That, anyway, I, it's I fine. Don't worry about it. it. I'm just. But that's so crazy. I'll tweet out the price or whatever. But yeah, it. Uh, I'm sure if anybody's listening, just like tweet. It us was if a you lot. Know. Yeah, it was a lot of money. Those balls <laughs> went for a lot. Yeah. So anyway, they stood <laughs> on my seat, and I was like, "Great, you know." So, no way. Yeah, number six sixty. Wow. At least you were at six sixty. Like that's cool. Yeah, I've saw, never, I've yeah. never been at like a cool. Um, yeah, and it was my friends like, that had even setting, n- home like, run game. said anything about it. Like, they're the ones that really wanted to go. So, like... Uh, I was at... Let's see. I, I want to say that I was at, like, Pujols 598 or something. Like, I was at him a, a couple before he hit 600. 
I think that's the closest I've ever come to seeing well, like cool. um. Well, I remember seeing. Obviously, I was. Was it ninety nine that was the uh, home run chase? It was. Uh, it was ninety eight. Oh, 98. Yeah. So I don't know if I was at any of those McGuire. I'm sure I had to be, but I. Yeah, yeah. you probably. Were I watched at some them of those. in ninety nine because I was telling you about the um, Brave Stadium or whatever. But yeah, right. So. Oh my anyway, gosh, that's incredible. That just made me think of that when they said she wasn't supposed to be in the seat. And I was like, oh man, I bet. Yeah. Everybody, if anybody else has a story like where you left your seat and this happened. And then something like, happened, to, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah tell yeah, us yeah. about it and uh, we'll sure. tweet about it because it's so yeah, crazy. I'm trying to think of anything else like wild happened like that to me of all the games that I've been to. Yeah, there's so much. But, oh, actually, I'm not going to get to... Um, the things about uh, you're not gonna Janet. get to her gambling stuff <laughs> yeah so i knew she like started like a prostitution ring or something like that like an underground i thought it was like a gambling thing oh, there was gambling and, and they she got was they in, got bust- they both got busted you're right and i think they- it was just her i think wayne ended up getting cleared of all that of stuff course. yeah but she got what they were running this like super high like props super bowl betting thing mm-hmm. like like yeah, it was like right out around the time she was in Sports Illustrated. And tens and tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. Yeah, you know, the Gretzkys, whatever. I'm sure they're down with some weird stuff. Yeah, well. That's totally fine. He's the great one. It's the greatest nickname in sports history. Speaking of people who are cool. down with weird stuff. Oh, man. Oh, segue. October 22nd, 1997. October 22nd. 1997. 1997. Larry oh, Flint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sells his Hustler magazine in Cincinnati, Ohio for the first time in 20 years. So, Larry Flint. This kicks off the whole stuff? or So, no, no, no. He had started the, the, the magazine way earlier. Okay. In um, 77, basically. Right, right, right. Well, he started... In Cincinnati, it was like it started as this promotional tool for tool for his Go Go clubs, um, which right. were all shut down in 1977. Uh, so um, he sold about a thousand copies of Hustler in two hours and was there to like personally sign autographs on them. Amazing. This is in the store in 1997. Okay, and so there were about 50 people online before the store opened, and about. Six protesters with signs that said "Porn hurts children," <laughs> and this is where filth is sold. <laughs> and he's from Ohio, so he it was yeah, like yeah, really yeah. important to him to sell uh, in this location again because he had been banned there for a really long time, and that's why it was a big deal for him to sell this magazine in oh, 1997 again. Um, so a little bit, I did a little research about Larry Flint because I saw the people versus Larry Flint, but yep. like I was really young when I yeah, saw that great movie. Really yeah, young. Woody Harrelson I mean, I was, was awesome. I don't really remember. It's not that that movie was what that movie was late nineties, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it might've been early two thousands that that came out. Um, yeah. you know, Larry Flint is still with us and, he is. um, uh, he's, you know, very adamant about the first amendment because of all his pornography dealings yep. and he's very active in government and uh, politics. And so when uh, I first moved here, I always thought it was hilarious that, uh, the Larry Flint building yeah. was right on the, it's right on the corner of, um, Wilshire. Yeah. Wilshire and La Cienega. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Why do you think it was weird that it was there? No, I just thought it was amazing. I just would drove by and it's like, huh, I see it Flint? all the time. Yeah, and I, I think time. about him. I think about him all fla- wrapped yeah. in American flag. Every all time the time. I see it, sitting yeah. in a wheelchair wrapped in American flag. So, yeah. 
I didn't know a lot about him except that he was the hustler guy. Yeah, in a wheelchair and a hustler guy. Yeah. Is that what you know about him? Pretty much. Uh, you know, just like you said, what the movie kind of portrays and so illustrates. But, like, I, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. So yeah, I don't me really. Me too. I saw uh, it once. So I don't really remember much about it. I mean, I just remember Hustler Magazine. It was like. <laughs> Did you have Hustler magazines? I no, I had a subscription to Playboy for a long time, Mm -hmm. and uh, the articles. (laughs) And um, you and my dad, every man. What I remember about Hustler is that it was graphic. Oh yes, like like graphic. Yes, like insides, uh, like like full on open, full on like that. The girls Mm -hmm. do yeah, doing all the stuff, and it was just like whoa. I think they simulated. Um, sexual yeah, scenes probably. as well. Yeah, I don't P and V. Not really sure, but it was. I just remember Hustler being like, "What?" Like Penthouse was graphic, right. and then Hustler was like, "We see no. your penthouse, yeah, yeah. and we I, raise yeah. you a hustler." <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. It's like, oh, okay, that's really. I mean, yeah, that's what I know about Hustler. Yeah. Too. I don't. I don't think I've ever opened a magazine. I remember when I came here, the Hustler store on Hollywood. Oh right. Uh, my boyfriend at the time when I moved here was a security guard there. And wow. so I remember one time I'm an upgrade. <laughs> I called him cause I had just gotten into a car accident. Well, I had gotten into a car accident and then I had driven, continued to drive. Okay. And I had a huge knot on my head, you oh, know, geez. I was like really worried, you know, you and, and I Janet called Gretzky. him when I got up to Northern California to see my family and I'm still like kind of like like just in a daze, you, you know. Drove like six hours. Yeah, I probably oh my didn't gosh. realize that I okay. was like had a concussion. Yes. most likely. Yeah. And I remember calling him, and he was working there, and he was like, "Babe, I gotta go. Britney Spears is here." And he like hung up the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "I just had a great." It was oh, a man. very Janet moment, like Gretzky, right? Hey, and look. He was like. And this is prime Britney. This is like breaking records. Two thousand and one Britney. Britney at the Hustler store. Right. Basically the same yeah. thing. So seeing her there <laughs> and like, oh my god! And so wow. But I also remember the Hustler store on Sunset and like going there and getting coffee because they had a little coffee shop there. Oh, and that's it funny. Was it was probably amazing. Some of the best coffee yeah, I've right, ever right, had. Right. And because uh, like I used the, to work near like there. The hot dogs at IKEA or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> IKEA. <laughs> No, they have something. They have like a really good uh, food item that you the meatballs. The, the meatballs, yeah, that's it. What did I say? Hot dogs. They have good hot dogs too. The yeah. hot dogs at Costco are really good. Right. Maybe that's what you're right. thinking. Right. Okay, they anyway. getting the icy at Kmart. <laughs> Big deal when I was growing up. <laughs> oh, okay, I don't know how this got into ice. But that hustler hot store is closed. Back now. to hot dogs and hustler. Okay. Sorry. Well, Hustler Casino, too. I know. Yes, I knew Hustler that, that Casino, too, yeah. the Hustler store on Sunset. Like, I just remember, like, you know, when you're kind of young, you're just like, oh, my God, you know, like these outfits and like yeah. there's like dildos every And like that store also had famous people's genitalia that was like shaped right. into toys. Yeah. So you just like could go in there and see what <laughs> famous people's <laughs> genitalia because yeah. it was like bronzed and. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it was, that's what I remember about the Hustler store and Larry Flint. And so, but I didn't know a lot of other stuff about him. And when I looked him up, I was really intrigued and fascinated. Oh, interesting. He was born in Kentucky in 1942. Okay. His dad fought in World War II and was like super absent from the house because he fought and fought and fought, you know, survived World War II, but went on many tours. Okay. 
Uh, Larry had two younger siblings, his brother Jimmy, and Jimmy ended up being his business partner for life. Oh, wow. I think wow. he's still his business partner. Oh, how about that? Uh, and his sister Judy, who died from leukemia at the age of four. Oh, my gosh. And when his sister died at four years old, his parents got a divorce. It just like was too traumatic on the two of them. Oh, so Jeez. Larry and his mother moved to Indiana and his brother Jimmy also moved to Indiana but went to live with his grandmother, their grandmother. So Larry was with his mom and then okay. Jimmy was with his grandmother. And when he was in ninth grade, when Larry was in ninth grade, he ran away from home and joined the army with a fake birth certificate. It's like he was just so miserable at home with his wow. with his mom. So uh yeah, he just made a fake birth certificate and joined the army. At thirteen? I mean, ninth how old? Grade. How old are you in no, ninth, ninth grade? That's grade, like fourteen, 14 or, 15 or fifteen, maybe. 15, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So he joined the army, uh, but this is luckily after you know this is probably let's see, nineteen forty-two. So he would have been this oh, so six, this you know, like, fifty-six. So yeah, there's nothing really. There's no tour. You know, maybe Korea or so something. Korea would have been coming to an end. It yeah. Been so over, right? I don't think he had to really see any action or anything Got it. like that. I think he was honorably discharged, and then he um, came home to Indiana. He had a few odd jobs. He was like uh, played poker. He was a bootlegger, and then in 1960, he joined the Navy, <laughs> <laughs> and he was a radar operator, and it was his boat, the U.S. Enterprise, that was tasked with recovering John Glenn's space capsule. So Whoa. him and his team recovered John <laughs> Space capsule. That is incredible. <laughs> yes. And then he ended up creating a magazine where other men were inside of things. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of cool. Nice. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so he was part of the USS Enterprise. Anyway, he's fascinating. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. So in 1965, so he was honorably discharged from the Navy as well, like decided to leave. Uh, in 1965, he had $1,800 in his savings account. And same, he, same, yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> and he bought his mother's bar in Dayton, Ohio. So his mother owned a bar in Dayton. Okay. He bought her out. He bought the bar for eighteen hundred dollars. He quickly like renovated it and started turning a profit of a thousand dollars a week. Dang. Right away. And so he bought two more bars. Hell yeah. Uh, and after the success of these, the three bars, he decided to open a high class joint that would feature nude hostesses. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was the first of its kind in Ohio, and he called it the Hustler Club. Yeah, he did. Because uh, he was a hustler, you know, it any seems, job, yeah, any job. Absolutely. But like he just constantly made money. That's right. what he did. Right, right, right. Uh, he was just a businessman. His brain just like fired on all those cylinders. Um, so then the club started expanding because they were doing very well. Mm -hmm. They were the first of their kind in the area. And in 1972, he started publishing a newsletter about the clubs <laughs> as a way to just promote them, you mm. know. And the newsletter became the word out. more popular than the clubs because <laughs> it showed pictures of the dancers. Oh, it did. It was a newsletter. Oh. It was like, yeah. So it started at two pages and then it went to 16 pages. <laughs> and then did. by 1973, it was at 32 pages. Oh, the perfect number. All things grow when you look <laughs> at a woman, right? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> in 1973, so this now the, the Hustler Club newsletter is 
the most popular thing yeah. out there. And this is in Dayton, Ohio, right? This is in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. In 1973, the oil crisis hits yep. and sends the U.S. into a recession. And Larry Flint is forced to close a lot of his bars and clubs because no one has any money to come. Right. Uh, and in the face of bankruptcy, he decides to put every last penny he had into making Hustler an official nude magazine. So down and out, nothing's working. He's like, I'm just going to take, I'm going to gamble everything I have on this magazine. Wow. And he paid for the startup by deferring payment of sales taxes that his club owed on their activities. So he kind of leveraged his clubs yep. to make the magazine. In July of 1974, the first issue of Hustler was published. July, great month. <laughs> 1974, <laughs> way before your time. Dang. Uh, it went unnoticed, but within a year, it was a success. So the first one, meh, but then the second, and then like Third, word, then spreads, word spread, word spread, spread hey, like magazine, spread, like, like spread, yeah. like spread. Oh, wait, it's, it's, way, it's like Playboy, but like way better. <laughs> well, way more graphic, <laughs> way you more know? Graphic. I think it really fit like a demographic of people that just needed more. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so by the next November, that would have been November 75, they published their first pink shots, oh. quote unquote. Oh. I'll let you guess what that means because I'm not going to say it because my parents listen to this. <laughs> Publishers did not want to publish them. Distributors did not want to distribute yeah, them. He had to fight for every single magazine to get on the shelf. This is like every month. He had to fight every month, every month, right. every month. First fight Amendment. To get it out. First Amendment. Yeah, First yep. Amendment. Yeah. Uh, and then about this time, he was approached by a paparazzo who had snapped photos of Jackie Onassis sunbathing nude on vacation. Wow. And so Larry Flint bought the photos, bought the photos. for $18,000. Worth it. Published them in August 1975 and sold a million copies within a few days. Oh, my gosh. And he was now a millionaire and bought his first mansion. So I, it gives me chills, even though it's like so disgusting that the fact well, that he like yes. took private photos, but like such a businessman move at the same time. You know what I mean? How like, about that dude who like could have sold the photos for way more if he knew what was down the pike? Or, you know, maybe nobody else would buy them. I think at the time. Paparazzo. Yeah, pub. where that's else? True. Who else is gonna publish? Yeah, who that? else is gonna buy those? Pub Playboy's not gonna publish. Playboy's that. the only one, and like Hugh Hefner probably. There's no way he was they probably were friends with Jackie or yeah. something. You know. Yeah, you're not gonna publish stuff like that. No, she's still know? American royalty. You need royalty a dirty magazine so you need a with dirty a guy that doesn't give a f. Nope, doesn't and care. And he's the perfect person, and perfect this guy person. could get a like. I, I I guarantee there were not a lot of buyers. You're probably right. I think in 1975. Yeah, I don't you're think probably so. right. So anyway, but uh, a lot of people want to see famous people naked. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think he was kind of the first to really do that. Yeah, you know, I think Playmates. I don't well, know. Well, to buy photos like that. To I buy mean, paparazzi photos. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe famously did Playboy Wick way back yes. in the day, but yeah. Um. So he's Larry Flint has been sued many times yep. over the years, mostly by anti-porn groups, and Cincinnati was the first in 1977. Uh, so he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. He served six days because <laughs> the case was thrown out for prosecutorial misconduct. <laughs> uh, and then the store that I talked about at the beginning of the story was shut down a year later. So his hustler store that he opened in 1997, October 22nd, uh, was shut down a year later because basically when he opened up the store, 
the anti-porn groups were like, let's do a sting. So they sent like an underage kid in to uh, buy a magazine. It wasn't carded. They sold it to him. And, and then, then they got, got, shut, got down. shut down. Yeah. So get out of here. 15-year-old boy, man. blah, blah, blah. That's he, what 15-year-old boy should be doing. I, exactly. So anyway, it was kind of BS, but it was a big deal that he came back to Cincinnati, basically, right. and opened his store. He was sued by Jerry Falwell. Of course. Uh, yeah, that's the famous. A uh, Yeah. Because of a cartoon that he published yeah, in one of a, his magazines. That's in the movie. That suggested that Falwell's first sexual encounter was in an outhouse with his mother. Right, yeah. That's in the movie, but it's it, like satire. It right? went to the Supreme Court. Yep. Yeah. Larry Flint won. Uh, I think that might have been when he was wearing the flag. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he and Jerry Falwell later became friends. They, you know, they're both. They both, before Jerry died, like they were both very good oh, wow. friends. Interesting. And uh, Larry Flint always says that's because he knew what I was selling and I knew what he was selling. <laughs> and uh, I think it's kind of funny, like now that really his funny. Jerry Falwell's son's just been accused oh of having gosh, threesomes. Of all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it runs in the family. So uh, I also didn't know this. He was shot in 1978 uh, by a guy named Joseph Paul Franklin in Georgia. And apparently, uh, this guy, Franklin, was upset about an interracial photo in Larry's magazine. This guy, Larry Paul Franklin, Joseph Paul Franklin, was a white supremacist and a serial killer. So, whoa, <laughs> he was a serial killer. He, sh- he was later convicted in Missouri for eight different murders. Jesus. But was never charged or brought to trial for shooting Larry Flint. Because, like, he basically admitted it later. So they never caught him. After he shot Larry Flynn, they never caught, you know, like they just didn't know who did it. Right. He finally, they finally figured it out. And the guy had already been arrested for and put on trial oh, for, eight for all murders. these other ones. Yeah. Because and he admitted to shooting Larry Flint because he had pictures oh of black gosh. and white people together in his magazines. Uh, in 2013, this guy, Joseph Paul Franklin, of course, three names, serial killer. Right. Uh, he was about to be executed for his murders. And Larry Flint was like, no, do not give him the death penalty. He's completely, he's like, I'm completely, he was, he's completely opposed to the death penalty. Again, he's a staunch constitutionalist. And, uh, but, uh, that guy was, uh, executed by lethal injection in November of 2013. Wow. Yeah. He, uh. Yeah, because Larry Flint famously paralyzed from the waist down. Yes. From the shooting. Yeah. From that shooting. From that shooting. Yeah. So he had every right to be upset. Yeah. Of course. But was like, no, no, no. Do not give him the death penalty. Yeah. So. Wow. And it's crazy. Like that guy didn't even like he murdered all kinds of other people. I'm not really sure. I didn't really look into that guy in particular. But um, I think the 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 shooting of Larry was like more just like anger about something else mm-hmm. you know obviously when you're a serial killer you have you're upset about you usually murder women and like it's or boys it's like based on like what happened with your mother or father growing up but like this was just something about race which is so crazy wow uh so yeah he's a, fr- a staunch advocate of the first amendment and he's been married for <laughs> five times so i think he's good for him s- married to his fifth or sixth wife right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> He has a bunch of kids. Yeah. Anyway, he was fascinating. I just didn't know all that. Fascinating. Cool stuff. That, those are some yeah. cool things about Larry Flint that I did not know. Um, so that's kind of it. I had a couple of other really short things. October 23rd, 1997, Nick Bosa is born. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> I know. Maverick, welcome. Hi, Maverick. Click, click, click. Yep, Maverick, Maverick. Click, where's clack, high heels? Click, clack. 
Um, Maverick Nick Bosa. What do you think? Yeah, Nick Bosa, Mav. He was born in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it's depressing. Uh, and then on October 24th, um, the guy with the longest personal name in history died at 83. His name was... <laughs> do you have anything to say? Wait, what? Adolf Lane Charles David Earl Frederick Gerald Hubert Irvin John Kenneth Lloyd Martin Nero Oliver Paul Quincy Randolph Sherman Thomas Uncas Victor William Xerxes Yancey Zeus Wolfenschlag and Heisensausen. Wow, I mean, it's the longest personal name on record. Where's this guy from? Hamburg, Germany. Oh. He was born there in 1904, but then moved to Philadelphia, <laughs> <laughs> where he became a typesetter, which means he had to type his own name. Like, well, what did he go by, Joe? <laughs> um, I don't think so. His his name first attracted attention when it appeared in 1938 in the Philadelphia Telephone Directory, on page 1292, column three, line 17. And in a court order of Judge John Boyle in 1938, Wolfenschlag and Heisenberg-Bergerdorf Jr., etc., versus Yellow Cab, to um, which, <laughs> yeah, with speculation, the case was settled because they couldn't pronounce the name. Yeah, I remember phone books. Like he, he went by his last name technically, which was Wolfenschlagelstein Heisenberg-Bergerdorf. That's claimed, the name he went by? Yeah, he claimed that his great-grandfather composed the surname in the 19th century when German Jews were obliged to take a second name. Wow. And so when when the Jews were forced by the Germans to take a second name that was more German, he made up this like crazy long name to wow. be like, Wow. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> F you guys. Yeah, wow. so anyway, longest name and like became a typesetter. That's crazy. Remember, like... The phone book was like so weird. Like you, it, when you're in your hometown, when we're growing up and you're like, oh, I need to call someone about a homework assignment or like I want to talk to this dude or chick. Like, And then there was like four different ones of the same last oh, yeah. name. And you're like, oh, I can remember I, sometimes underlining the name like that page. There's like a thousand pages. Like I'm going to notice <laughs> an underlined page. Like I have to turn to the. Yeah. And like. Just, you know, you're rolling the dice like down the road. Hey, is uh, Bill there? Sorry, wrong number. All right, cool. <laughs> Cross that one off. Okay. <laughs> hey, is is Bill there from chemistry? Mm-hmm. Nope. Sorry, wrong number. Because like you didn't know where they lived, so no. you did. So, or maybe some of them had the address and some didn't. And like, I remember when they stopped delivering the phone book, and that was like, oh my god. And phone books were free. They well, just yeah, brought dropped just like, them off at your what? house. Each no year. more phone books. Like. But you never, like, they literally would just sit on my porch or, like... Yeah, for a while. In the recycling. Well, like, in like, the 90s, the phone book was oh, a big deal. the phone book was a very big phone deal. Phone book was a big because deal. Because, basically, you would have anyone's number. And everyone. Like, now you have to get a girl's phone number. And you have to ask them, hey, you what you And then you have them. to hope that they give you the right number. Like, they don't give you a they fake number. They don't go, it's unlisted. Yeah, it's unlisted. <laughs> I have an unlisted. And it was unlisted. a big And it was a big deal having an unlisted phone number. Yeah. Like, oh, their number's not in the book? Like, what is happening? Well, yeah. Well, there was, like, what was that where you could, call, like, uh, call a number back to see what number dialed you? Like, if Get you back that line. Press star six nine. <laughs> a star six nine. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, because it was, like, I remember sometimes, you know, like, just waiting by the phone for a boy to call or something. And, it, and, and then like, you, you missed, missed it. it. And you're like, oh, 
I don't know who called because oh, I, I don't know. have call waiting. Who just called me? <laughs> who called me? I need to know. Star 69. <laughs> Hello, you just called me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was I still a huge remember deal. My, my, home, my home number from growing up. You remember your home? Oh, we had a great number in Maine 282-0321. 282-0321. was like awesome. It was just like, I thought it was really cool. Like 321 contact. Remember that show? Ours is 6250916. Yeah. I don't Do you remember, remember anybody my else's number. Ugh. Wayne Gretzky's. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's ninety nine, obviously. <laughs> um, I didn't even know that. Either. You didn't know Wayne Gretzky wore ninety nine. No, oh I don't gosh, know that. Oh my gosh, you're crazy. Uh, I'm trying to think if I remember Perk's number when we were growing up. Mm, no. Or no. like Jason's. Jason had a. Um, he had like a Dayton number, so it was like four nine nine or something was the, the first did you ones. Ever get, when did you get a cordless phone? Did you guys ever have a cordless phone? We always had a cordless phone. Uh, always. We, we had a cordless phone in like in Alaska, like one of the first ones that came out. Wow. Yeah, we were always kind of ahead of we. We were always into technology at our house. Man, remember when the cordless phone would start going dead while you yeah. were talking? And and you're like, like, oh, 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 what am I gonna the, do? Yeah, uh, I got uh, the I phone's got to charge. I gotta call you back. Let me call you oh, back in no, like ten see, minutes. Yeah, you would just go. I would just go pick up the landline, the one that had the, co- the oh. corded phone, and then hang up the cordless. But then yeah. when you picked up that phone, you had to talk in front of your parents. Oh right, unless you had the super long cord. Yeah, well, we had one in the kitchen, so we'd have to t- take it into the. Uh, and it's funny how the phone was always in the kitchen. Always. The phone was always in the kitchen or like nearby. Yeah, we were always um, big technology. Like when something new came out, like, ooh, we got to get this one. So like the new cordless phone, remember, it was like 2.4 gigahertz. Like you could talk on the phone outside. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, no. Outside? The antenna that went up. Yeah, no, we always got the newest thing, too. Yeah, but we like, always got the newest we thing. St- we had a phone in every room, a TV in it. Like, well, I remember yeah, we always had. Yeah, yeah, we always had like little 13-inch TVs. Like, Yeah, I remember once I got yeah. a phone in my room. Remember when uh, I remember people in my school had their own line oh they had like their own their own phone line that right. was separate so like you could call them like late because like if you called my house oh after my nine o'clock you had to get it on it was one of those things like hey call in three minutes <laughs> and then you had to go and like wait next to the phone and then when it called like you're getting it like right. or you would hold the clicker down so that as soon as it you know yeah or just like so the ring would only be like bing and so yeah. like no one would hear it so your parents wouldn't wake up or whatever oh my, oh my god. god and then heaven forbid if like you got disconnected, and then they call back, and they're like, oh, answer, answer, answer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was so important. I just remember, Ugh. if you called our house after, you were not allowed to call our house after 9 o'clock, my mom would be so upset. Hello? Is Sarah there? It's mm. after 9 o'clock. You, will, you can call her tomorrow. Wow. Oh, man. That is aggressive. Oh, man. That you did not want to call our house after 9 o'clock. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could call other people. Yeah, but the worst was when you called someone else and they got you got the same thing, like, and someone's dad called and they're just like, hey. I remember one time yeah. I got grounded. Hold on. Because that was when I, like, uh, it's the only time I ever got grounded and it was because I wrecked the car. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a pretty good reason to <laughs> yeah. be grounded. Well, I still don't think it was my fault, but my mom <laughs> and I can agree to disagree on that. But anyway, it was technically my fault because I was behind the wheel. All right, your she mom's was- on the line. Let's see what she <laughs> has to say. But people would call my house, and my mom would go, Sarah can't come to the phone. She's on phone restriction right now. 
And my friends were like, like super phone restriction. Yeah, they, like try to embarrass. Like you. why couldn't she say I was just grounded? No, she's a piece of shit. She's grounded, you know. <laughs> but like, oh, my kid's a moron. You can't talk to him tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she was like, Sarah's on phone restriction, and I was like, oh, like just so embarrassed. Like she was just so like nice about it you know like didn't want to embarrass me and like was just like or just saying like this is what's going on this this is technically what's happening this is the real situation in my (laughs) house not sugarcoating it you guys can draw your own conclusions yeah phone books and like phone oh man that's so crazy it's like talk about things that kids now will never know or understand the phone book, yeah. The just directory. like, or just like the phones and the directory and the landlines. Now, and like, when someone calls you that you don't know, it says maybe this person because mine you doesn't even them or email. Oh yeah, them at yeah, some point, you yeah. Know, mine like, doesn't even do that. It just says like the town, and so you're like, oh well, this is a robocall right, clearly because yeah, yeah. like I don't know anyone in Richmond, Maine, like that. They're not. Co- I get one of those a day. Yeah, they try to have them call from Maine so that you'll answer. Cause well, then yeah, because I still have a Maine oh, area code. Maine. Yeah, I still yeah. have a Maine area I know, code. I get so Georgia they're, one so they're like, the oh, you must know this person because they're Maine and there's only a million people in Maine. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. Call me. I'm not going to call you. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to call you. You don't even answer your phone when you when people call. Well, no, because my phone's always on silent, so a lot of times I'll just miss your call. And when he says silent, he doesn't mean vibrate. He means like no, it no, doesn't ring. Yeah, there's no, there's no vibrate. There's no notification. There's no nothing. Like no, no I, nothing. When I was pregnant, I was like, you have to change that. Well, I would just flip the ringer on. It's like that commercial that that. Uh, <laughs> my phone doesn't have a silent button. All phones yes, have you do. Silent. It's on the side. <laughs> Are we done? We're done. Good job. Great job. Good yeah, job. Good Episode work. twelve. Episode twelve. We made it. Congratulations. <laughs> Dirty Dozen. Naughty Rotten Rhymer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, Thanks. really appreciate you guys listening every week. It's so awesome. Yeah. Bye-bye. This Week in the 90s Podcast.